Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. I don't believe there's a team in the NBA that can beat this Suns team, you know, the way they're playing. I really don't. I mean, there's some really good teams, and this year they've talked all about the, the East, but now that the Lakers are healthy, the Clippers uh, would be healthy in the playoffs if Paul George comes back, and the Golden State Warriors, those three teams are going to be, what, five, six, seven? And uh, and 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 then they, they haven't been, you know, they haven't been whole this year, nor have the Suns for that part, or the Suns would be much higher than the fourth slot. So the West, the West is going to be tough because there's teams with experience, there's teams that have these teams, these super teams, if you will. And if those teams are healthy, good things can happen. But that being said, a couple years ago, we played the Lakers when they said, okay, well, now they're healthy and they're going to win the championship and we smoked them. You know, so yeah. I, I, I worry a little bit about, about Golden State and, and what they can do. Steph Curry's just on a mission right now. They're playing really, really good basketball. I don't think they have much depth up front, but what they'll probably do is put Andrew Wiggins at center and Draymond Green at center and go small so the Suns will have to match up with them. That is Tom Chambers on Wolf and Luke yesterday here on Arizona Sports. The thesis statement there doesn't see anybody beating the uh, Phoenix Suns. And, uh, you know, we're still quite a bit, uh, bit away, nine days away from the beginning of the actual playoffs. What One of the things that intrigues me is, look, nobody knows how this is going to go, but this level of what to expect or, you know, what to be confident in, what to fear in terms of the Phoenix Suns heading into the playoffs is pretty juicy. I don't think we've ever gone through anything quite like this because of, you know, the trade that went down, the injury that went down. You know, we're still getting to know Kevin Durant as a Phoenix Sun, yeah. and this team is right on the doorstep of maybe making a run to a championship. It, the uncertainty of all of it makes it a bit more intriguing and a lot more nerve-wracking. You, you took the word right out of my mouth. There's a, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of intrigue about the Phoenix Suns. There's a there's a confidence, there's a quiet confidence, but there's also a hint of unknown, right? We, there's just, it's almost like if, if, if the team remained intact without the Durant trade, there would be an uncertainty about how far they could go, mm-hmm. but there wouldn't be as much intrigue. As if you, you almost, it would they would be more of a known quantity, if you will. Like, okay, we know who they are, we know what they can do. Now let's see how far they can go. With this team, you don't quite know yet what they are and what they're going to do in high leverage playoff situations. Because you know how good the top four are and can be, uh-huh. but you don't know how it's going to play out across the board because as we were talking about earlier in the show today you know at some point you're going to need more than four and you know there's a significant drop off as good as the Suns role players are in their individual niches so to speak Mm -hmm. uh, you know there's some deficiencies there across the board uh, with the Suns supporting cast players uh, players five through ten right so how is that all gonna how is that all gonna look when you get into a high leverage playoff situation, a high leverage playoff game, or a high leverage playoff series? So there's a tremendous amount of intrigue there. Yeah. So I, I know what Chambers is saying, like, hey, who's gonna beat this team? Well, you know, I'm looking at the Western Conference playoff situation, Vinny, and I, I think there are three teams that have a chance to come out of the West. The Suns, the Warriors, and the Nuggets. And that's it? Yeah. 
I really believe that. You're not giving Memphis any no any love. I don't think they're ready yet. I don't think the Kings are ready. I think I and, think, and I, you're not going the ESPN route and anointing the Lakers as one of those. Can't teams? do it. Okay, I can't do it. How about your beloved Pelicans? They're plucky. They're plucky. <laughs> plucky kids. Plucky Pelicans. Pel- Pel- um, every one of these teams, even the ones you just mentioned, there are questions. Start at the top. The question with Denver. You know, are they ready to make that jump? They've been a playoff underachiever in years past, even though they have a two-time MVP who might be a three-time MVP in Nikola Jokic. The last two exits from the playoffs for the Nuggets have been ugly. They got swept by the Suns. They lost in five games last year and didn't put much of a fight up against against Golden State. You know, Memphis, those questions. Are they too young? Are they too brash? Sacramento, a team that you know collectively has zero playoff experience. Individually, they have some. Um, you know, how much of a, of a factor will their home court advantage be? The Suns, obviously the big Kevin Durant question. The Lakers, can they stay healthy? The Clippers, is Paul George coming back? Every one of these teams has a lot of strengths, but a lot of things that you could point at as, yeah, I'm not feeling it because of this question. I'm not sure the Kings are going to get out of the first round. I'm not. I'm not sure they. I'm not sure the. I'm not sure they take out the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs. So they're, they're, that 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 answers that question right there. Well, if if that's indeed the matchup, I think most people. Um, and again, no disrespect meant to what the Kings have done. They've had a magical season after a really long, you know, absence from the playoffs. But I think most people would feel similar right. to what you feel. So there you go. I mean, so that that takes care of them right there, mm-hmm. right there, and then go, boom, gone, done, eliminated. Another so, question with the Suns too is the Chris Paul question. His role is changing by the day. Uh, after the Oklahoma City game on Sunday, he came on TV and said, look, I was a little mad at myself for passing up open three-point shots. He's still getting used to that, those being presented. He was a much different player in, in the last game that we saw where he hit those open shots against San Antonio. And after the game uh, the other night on Tuesday, there was a great exchange. Devin Booker was the post-game guest with Tim Kempton and, and Al McCoy. I want to play this for you. The other night we had Chris Paul on, yeah. and uh, Tim and I were kind of needling him why he didn't score more, you know. Okay, and, you need to do that more often. And, and, and he, here's what he said. Hey, I can score, but all those other guys want to score all the time, so I don't get an opportunity. Well, tonight he had the opportunity, didn't he? He did. Very efficient, too. Um, came out shooting it. We're encouraging him all the time. You know, when we post KD up, you know, teams, you know, they're going to have to eventually double team. That's going to open up things on the backside for us. That is going to be a big question. Chris Paul will be presented those opportunities in the playoffs to see the increased willingness to shoot, but can he capture those moments that he had in playoff runs past where he's knocking down everything or getting to his spot or hitting that open three? He's going to be challenged to do it, and right now it's a pretty promising development. He's got to pull the trigger on the open mm-hmm. three. Right. But, we, we, know, we know he's going to get to the elbow, Vinny. We know he's going to shoot that shot in the fourth quarter when, when, when they need it. And he can get that. It's the first three quarters of the game mm-hmm. when the offense dictates that the ball swings and he's got an open three. Will he pull the trigger? Because he's going to get that shot. And I've noticed not just him recently, and I didn't notice it from him at all uh, in the game against San Antonio, but recent trends. There's there's a number of Suns players that are early in the shot clock passing up open shots, trying to work for a better one. 
But that's not exactly how this offense is supposed to work. If it's if it's there, you pull the trigger. I mean, Devin Booker's passed up shots. Landry Shamit's passed up shots. Um, Kevin Durant's passed up shots. Uh, so I, I'm wondering, you know, if Chris Paul, the increased willingness to shoot, does that bleed over? And they you know, with this comfort level that they're building again, they've played, you know, a handful of minutes together. All things considered, Suns and Nuggets tonight. At Footprint Center, second to last home game, regular season home game for the Suns. 7 o'clock uh, on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7. Coming up next, we'll get into some NFL hash marks. And just when you thought things couldn't get weirder in Baltimore, they get weirder in Baltimore. We'll get into that and more next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings with Tim Ring and for Bick here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Marks. With respect to the, the draft and everything, just with the Lamar stuff that's going on, hey guys, are you, are you all looking at quarterbacks? Out, out, out. You can just move off the draft. Are you looking at quarterbacks differently because of the situations going on? You know, I don't think we really are. <laughs> Well, that was awkward. That was a press conference yesterday in Baltimore. About the draft. About the pre-draft press conference. Every team does it. So it's John Harbaugh. It's Eric DaCosta, the GM. And a reporter is asking about you know the situation with Lamar. And that's a PR guy from the Ravens trying to shut it down. This was about the draft, not about Lamar. Seriously? <laughs> uh, the question got out there yeah. at cer- a certain point to Eric DaCosta. Would you consider drafting a quarterback in the first round? It depends on the board. It really does. I mean, I'd have to say yes because we have uh, quarterbacks in our top 31. So just based on that alone, simple math, I would have to say yes. <laughs> what a mess. Right. We're, only, we're not talking about Lamar, only draft questions. Yeah. Well, because of Lamar, are you going to draft a quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> Here's uh, Ian Rappaport from NFL Now and NFL Network. Yesterday, the latest on that situation. Yeah, that, and that is a very real possibility. Obviously, the Ravens have tried several times, including uh, within the last week or so, week or 10 days, to try to get some traction on Lamar Jackson for a long-term contract, try to get that deal done. But as we've seen, a lot of times when a player's on the franchise tag, there isn't any real traction until the middle of July when there's a deadline. The Ravens are going to try to do that, and they have continued to stay in contact with Lamar Jackson this by his trade request, so we will see on that. But yeah, I would imagine if the right quarterback is there, they would potentially take a look at that. Anthony Richardson does have a pre-draft visit scheduled uh, with the Baltimore Ravens. That is the only quarterback I know of. Uh, the you know sort of high, high-end first-round quarterbacks I know of has a visit scheduled with the Ravens. I don't know. Strictly from the Ravens' viewpoint, the way I see it, Tim, is okay. that I would much rather have... Lamar Jackson as my quarterback, a guy you know works in your system, and yes, it's going to be a pretty penny to pay him, even if it can be patched up, than rolling the dice on somebody like an Anthony Richardson? Really? So would so apparently John Harbaugh, who still maintains Lamar Jackson's going to be my quarterback. Anthony I, Richardson, who in the best possible case scenario, maybe one day, years from now, could be as good as Lamar Jackson is now. And the other thing that shocks me about all of this is the lack of interest in Lamar Jackson around the league. Every team has the same concerns about quarterback, and there's a lot of teams that don't have their quarterback in place right now. The guy is an MVP. Is he a perfect quarterback? Absolutely not. That guy doesn't exist. 
but the lack of interest being shown from around the league and teams almost going out of their way to make it known, oh, we're not going to pursue him. We're not interested in him. Well, why not? So what do you think, why not? Do you think that's the 100% guaranteed thing bigger, or do you think that's the injury concern bigger? Or is it collusion? That, too. Well, the collusion, the collusion would be based on 100% the, guarantee. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or, or could it be you're the Indianapolis Colts, you have the fourth pick in the draft, and we know if we sign Lamar Jackson, we owe the Ravens two first-round picks. We don't want to give up the fourth. Let's use our fourth pick in the draft, and then sign Lamar Jackson the day after, and then presumably, if the Ravens don't match, we'll be way better with Lamar Jackson next year, and our first-round pick that we have to give up next year and the year after won't be as high as fourth, and we'll end up giving a worse first-round pick to the Ravens in 2024, because Lamar Jackson will be our quarterback, and we'll be picking like 26th next year. Mm-hmm. See where I'm going with that? I mean and and I'm not making I'm not I'm not pulling that out of my you know what. I mean that's been that's been speculated as well. Yeah. Like we're not gonna give you the fourth pick. We're just gonna we're gonna sign him to the offer sheet after the draft. Yeah the Cardinals at three right now could move down. I think that seems to be the the plan if they don't have to move down too far, I know that earlier in the week the Tennessee rumors were, were hot and heavy that the Titans might be a team that try to jump up from 11 all the way to uh, 3. Uh, Matt Miller, ESPN uh, and draft analyst, was on with Wolf and Luke yesterday. Uh, and the team right behind the Cardinals right now is the Colts at 4, a team with a quarterback need. Uh, does Matt Miller think the Colts will try to move up? Do um, I think you know there's precedent there? We can go back and look at what uh, in 2017 the Chicago Bears traded from three to two with the San Francisco 49ers to get Mitchell Trubisky. Now uh, that trade was not a good one, as we know now, because they didn't take Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. But there is a precedent for a team saying, "Hey, we don't want to miss out on the guy." Um, the New York Jets did this uh, the year they got Zach Wilson. Um, the San Francisco 49ers did it the year they got Trey Lance uh, in the 2021 draft. So we've seen this before we've seen teams say hey we're, we're just making sure we don't get jumped for a guy and I, I think that's where if you're the Colts you have to worry about those other teams that, that need a quarterback and I think if you're the Cardinals you want to start reaching out to some media that you're friendly with saying you know hey the Raiders are poking around the Falcons are poking around the Titans are poking around the Patriots are poking around maybe trying to get up here uh, you want to put pressure on Indianapolis to make that switch yeah I think it's a fascinating spot that the Cardinals are in and I think it's a great point that Matt Miller makes there. Hey, create your own buzz. <laughs> and maybe it, it, it benefits you in the long run. What I can't get past in that same interview, Matt Miller said unequivocally, Will Anderson is the best player in this draft. If you move away from three, you're increasing your chance of not getting the best player in the draft. And a guy who could be a cornerstone, I wonder, and we'll, we'll find out when the Cardinals have their pre-draft press conference with Jonathan Gannon and Monty Ossonfort, maybe some indications on how much they love Will Anderson. Um, well, it just it depends on the haul you get. Yes. If you're, if you're going to move off Will Anderson, you better get a haul. You better, you better get a first-round pick in 2024, maybe a second-round pick this year and a third-round pick. I mean, this all this all is weighted, right? It's a scale, right? We're going to move down mm-hmm. this year, move off Will Anderson. Well, we're getting a haul. I mean, every, everything everything is a weighted scale. And well, you, and, 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 you, and you have to determine, 
what's better for your football team long term? And this is not brain surgery, right? I mean, no. if you if you if you if you feel you're getting a haul that you can't pass up, and you drop down and you move off Will Anderson, you're still going to get a darn good player in the first round. But we're getting a haul that's going to overall improve the strength of the football team going forward. But then you have to think of the ramifications of that, too, elsewhere. If if you increase your chances of not getting Will Anderson and you move out of three, you're also increasing the chances. I don't know. The Seattle Seahawks could get Will Anderson at number five. And wouldn't that be a kick in the pants if he's as good as everybody thinks? And then you got to play him twice a year and he's kicking your butt. Also think about this, though. There's also no sure thing. Let's say you drop down to seventh and you get Tyree Wilson and then you also get a haul and Tyree Wilson ends up being better than Will Anderson. Which also, most people don't believe is the case. No. That, who cares what people believe? We've seen people, but these guys are wrong all the time. Yeah, but anything could happen. But so in that scenario, then anything could happen. <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, in that scenario, anything could happen. What if you want to just trade out of the first round? The these second guys round don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> now you're trying to become an NFL GM? Man, you already wanted to become an NBA they might as well throw. They might as well play pin the tail on the donkey in this stinking draft. You just need to. The thing, the whole thing is, it's, it's all hypothetical because we still don't know if there's even going to be two teams that both like the same third best quarterback. Yeah, that is true. Uh, three weeks until the draft, believe it or not. Legendary voice of the Suns, Al McCoy, announced his retirement at the end of the year. We want to hear from you. Text Al to 620-620. Submit a video. A thank you, Al, message. We may, we may even play yours on the air. Once again, text Al to 620-620. Coming up next, big night for the D-backs home opener. 2023 is here. We'll get into some D-backs and the home opener next. It's Bickley and Murata Morning. Here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. D-backs return to the Valley hosting the Dodgers for their first home series of the 2023 season. Arizona Sports brings you D-backs home opener coverage with Bickley and Murata. Today is the day. Home opener at Chase Field. Before we get to the home opener, again, I don't know if Jarrett's messing with me. A lot of Depeche Mode yeah. bumpers today. When Bickley's away, the... The good music will play? I, you know, I <laughs> cater towards... <laughs> One side or the other when the other host is gone. When do I get my music? All right, so when Bickley's here, that means he's more important than I. I got you, Jordan. Oh, That's cool. <laughs> that means it's the Bickley show with Vince Morata. Yeah, again. Morata. The, the, Morata. <laughs> so in honor of you being at the Depeche Mode concert in Las Vegas last week, mm-hmm. the song of the day Bick picked was not Depeche Mode. It was ACDC's Sin City. <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> we had a, we've had a big Depeche Mode controversy now for the last week on the show yeah. Jim, it's, it's getting tense it's been a little yes, right. it's been a little you know, a little a tense little is a good word a little yeah. plucky might as well call me it was more than plucky <laughs> call me Joe Depeche I, I, <laughs> I, Sarah, what, Sarah, what is your music exactly? Oh, I mean, there's a range. But if I were to ask for rejoin music, it the would go-go be... The go-go is the Bengals. <laughs> probably not. It would be more into, like, hip-hop, dance, bounce kind of yeah. music, um, which I understand that I will never hear juveniles back that thing Pitbull. up. Pitbull. Why don't you uh, submit your list to Jerry, your playlist for tomorrow? We'll have uh, we'll have Sarah Music Day. Sarah tomorrow. Day. Yeah. Yes, I love it. We will celebrate your musical day. Sarah Palooza, baby. <laughs> okay, it's going to be Britney Spears, it's going to be Shania Twain, and it's going to be Juvenile, okay? 
That does sound juvenile. Uh, just wanted to get that out there. I appreciate it, Jared. It's, it puts me in a good mood when I hear that stuff. Uh, will I be in a good mood after the Diamondbacks home opener tonight? And Derek Hall made reference to it. It was a little tongue-in-cheek, but you know there's a lot of truth there. It's like, wow, we finally get to play a home game after opening the road with a tough road trip. And the team that's coming in is the Dodgers. A team whose fan base traditionally takes over Chase Field. Will that be different tonight? Because it's the home opener, it should be a packed house, but I wonder how much blue is going to be there. They won't be behind home plate, right? They're not allowed to sit back there. <laughs> is that still a thing? Is that still a thing? I don't know. I didn't want It wanna, was definitely a thing. I don't want I didn't want to ask Derek. I don't know if that was it's still a thing like you can you can be in the park with your blue on, you just can't be behind home plate. You no. can have every other seat in the place. Just not, just not these 20. <laughs> I will say this. Tough tough schedule to open up. Oh and that's, my and that's why, you know, to go 3 and 3 despite not hitting the ball well, was a really was a really encouraging start for the D backs, especially with the way opening night went mm-hmm. and the way Madison Bumgarner's start on Saturday night went, and then to blow that game one in San Diego, to have your heart ripped out like that, to come out of that fray three and three, and then it's crazy, Vinny. I mean, you know the way the schedule is no longer unbalanced the way it is. Yeah, you got these four games against the Dodgers. We're we're in mid-April. You're almost done with them. Five more games left against them. The rest of the season. Yeah, it's kind of good. I guess it's good. It it, it's good when it's not. I don't know what you think. I mean, they're three and three right now. I I didn't necessarily expect them to be three and three, starting with six games, four in L.A. and and two in San Diego, and then you follow that up with another another four against the Dodgers. Do you like the fact that there's only five games remaining against? those Dodgers going you can, forward. I you mean, can spin that either way. I mean, how good are the Dodgers going to be? Are they are, are you know, are they a finished product now? I you know, I, I've kind of thought about it both ways. You want to get those games with the Dodgers out of the way, um, because they could pick up steam and they've got a little bit of a different look this year. I, I I'm not sure. I like the way they handled the first four games. Uh, you know, you get that split in LA. That was the first time in a really long time they didn't lose a series in LA. Which is, you know, baby steps, but it, it's a positive. I mean, they lost three out of 22. It just seems that if history is any guide, every time in the last couple of years, the D-backs got a little momentum, got a little something going, the Dodgers would just, whether we go there or they come here, would just hammer them. And it, I mean, it just, just knock them into submission, and all momentum was lost. Yeah, And, and you, now that you don't got to play them... Yeah. But if you look at this series too, yeah, we met. Yeah, ask the question: How much blue is going to be there? The weekend's going to be filled with blue. We get it. Another big question on the Diamondbacks front is: Madison Bumgarner start. The first one didn't go well. In fact, it went so poorly they sent him home to get tested to see what was wrong with his arm. Turns out nothing's wrong with his arm. We have got to be at a situation, even though it's only the first home series of the year, Tim, where it's short leash city on Madison Bumgarner because. You've got candidates to fill that job. Dre Jamison has done what he's been asked to do in different relief roles. He came in and had a two-inning save the other day in San Diego. He had a long relief stint in Los Angeles. He's probably raring to go to get into that rotation. Um, and if, if Madison Bumgarner isn't, you know, the, the velocity has never been a strength of his. But if he has another bad start early in the season, this is a team with expectations and candidates to fill spots. I, I'm I'm of the belief that it's a very short leash. What what say you? They owe him thirty seven million dollars. Well, there's that too. 
you can't. It's weird, I, and I don't. I don't mean to say this flippantly, but I. This is one of those rare situations where I was thinking that the doctor's report. It's one of those deals where you're actually a little bummed out that the arm checked out okay. <laughs> right? I kind of had the same feeling with I, the I, doctor a little. Well, uh, I, I hate and I hate to okay. say that, but you, you almost hoped in a weird way that there was a little something wrong because you, you could at least hang your hat on that and say, okay, there's a little something something. He needs a. There's needs, an explanation. He needs, for yeah, it. there's an explanation. He needs a couple of weeks. We gotta get this kind of shored up and strengthened, and then he's gonna be okay in a couple of weeks. And we're gonna go back out there. Uh-huh. But the fact that okay, there's nothing wrong. Everything's fine. Like, is it? <laughs> I mean, it was everything's only- fine. Okay, that means he's just not very good right now. I mean, that's one. Start. That's not what you want to hear. One start. But it's not just one start, Jared. We're going back to last year now too, and we're going back to. 2020. We're going, we're going. We're going back to a, a guy that's that's been struggling, you know, and it's 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 it's, it's rough. I mean, they're, they're, we're at, we're at. I think we're not even at a crossroads. We're kind of at. We're kind of beyond that. I mean, at some point. You know, the D-backs are going to have to face some tough questions. Yeah, uh, the question, uh, we had Derek Hall on earlier, talked about the bullpen. They've had three saves in their three wins, all by three different pitchers. Uh, one by Chafin, one by McGuff, who then blew a save, and then uh, one by Dre Jameson. Mike Hazen, the general manager of the uh, D-backs, was on with Wolf and Luke yesterday. How many guests did they have yesterday, by the way? They had a ton of guests they on that like show. like 12 guests per show. That's, that's where all of our guests are going. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Cam, uh, I'm on Wolf and Luke. It's, yes. a, it's an IL. They're paying these. They're paying that again. They, they, have, NIL, a lot, they yeah. have a lot of weekly guests. <laughs> well, Mike Hazen talked about uh, that subject, blowing games in the ninth inning, which certainly hurt the D-backs last year. Every team blows games in the ninth inning. Every single team. Even the ones that win the World Series every year. The one, the best ones around are able to go and put that to bed the next day, go out and win a baseball game, and then everybody forgets it, and we, you're able to move on very quickly, as opposed to allowing it to snowball. And I think yesterday's win was 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 a good a good indicator that we have various ways to beat you. Um, you don't just have to roll out the next day and put ten runs up, and you know it, it doesn't matter who pitches. Um, it, it it was it was a tough game. You know we went down, we went down by a decent amount, um, and and we came back. So it was yeah. good to see. Um, there's truth to that. Mike Hazen is right. Every team blows saves, but when you talk about what happened last year and the bullpen, probably the determining factor in the Diamondbacks not being a wild card team. That first time it happens the next season, even with a revamped bullpen, there's going to be a reaction. Do you think there was overreaction to the blown save in San Diego on Monday? I think there was proper reaction okay. to it. I think so, too. Because, again, you don't have a clear-cut role defined for those guys in the bullpen. And I think that's also being magnified by Joe Mantiply not being there. You have to use Andrew Chafin a little differently than you would. And Derek Hall talked about the rules. You have to face three batters. There's a lot of things they're working through, but yeah, um, it would be. It, it's been a while since the Diamondbacks have had a closer that they could rely on. Hey, that's the guy in the ninth inning. Come higher, uh, hell or high water, and they just haven't had that guy. Also, you want that guy. Such a it's such a mental thing too. I mean, mm-hmm. you want you want the, the the closer's mentality, right? You hear about that guy to have an attitude. Like that job is mine. Mm-hmm. I, I know what my role is. My The ninth inning belongs to me. And to Mike Hazen's point, a guy that if it doesn't go well for him one day, forgets about it the next day. And they haven't had that guy either. Right. And, 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 if it's, and if it's closer by committee and you don't even know if it's your job that night, 
tough road to hoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diamondbacks and Dodgers home opener for the uh, D-backs. Fifth time they're opening up their home schedule against the Dodgers. You can hear it on the Arizona Sports app and ESPN 620. Coming up next, a lot of people around the NFL, maybe on this show, feel the term throwaway year might be in the cards for the cards. We'll get into that possibility next. Timmering in for Bick today here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's a difficult. They're, they're coming out of a different, difficult run with the roster, and it needs a little bit of a reset. They lost a lot, obviously, on the defensive line, uh, and their quarterback's not going to play for who knows how long, right? And Kyler Murray's such a electric uh, player who, you know, relies on his running to get an edge. Uh, so you wouldn't think that, you know, he's just going to come back right away and be the same type of player, right? So you're probably not going to be in position to like go for it this year, just because of your quarterback situation. So then you look at the moves that they've made. I mean, there's a huge difference between what Arizona's doing and what Miami's doing, right? Miami's trading first-round picks, getting Jalen Ramsey. They got Tyreek Kill. I mean, they're in their window right now. I think everyone feels like the Cardinals are, hey, this is a little bit of a longer-term deal, and the quarterback situation's thrown in there. They're obviously not just going crazy in free agency it's Mike Sando on with Wolf and Luke. Yesterday, uh, Mike Sando writes for The Athletic and put together a piece that uh, ran earlier in the week that had some thoughts on NFL executives sharing what other teams had done in free agency. One of the quotes that he used in the Cardinals portion of that article, Tim, was uh, a quote from an executive that said, I don't want to call this a th- uh, th- call this a throwaway year, but it's a throwaway year for the Cardinals. And based on free agency, you can say that. Where it could change and where the thinking could could change, and it's a big if. If the Cardinals absolutely hit home run after home run in the draft. Last year, at this time, we were talking about the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. All the pieces from the Legion of Boom defense are gone. They have a different look there. Now Russell Wilson, you traded him to Denver. You're going to rely on Geno Smith or Drew Locke to play quarterback. The Seattle Seahawks were a playoff team last year. And the reason why they were a playoff team was John Schneider in their front office hit home run after home run in the draft. They got two starters on the offensive line. They got difference makers in the secondary. All over the field, they hit on their draft picks. It's been a long time since the Cardinals have done that. It's also been a long time since the Cardinals went into a draft with Steve Kime not calling the shot. So, you know, at this point, let's be, I'll be a little bit optimistic. Anything is possible. It's a big if. That'd be overly optimistic, yes. obviously. I mean, what the Seahawks did last year with with Cross and Lucas and finding your left tackle and your right tackle and, and a Tariq, running back stud. And, and they got Tariq Woolen. And, and I had even Tariq left Wallen out kind of walkers. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you find two corners. I mean, to find two corners, two tackles, and a running back in one draft. Yeah. I mean, come on. That's not that's not going to happen. That's A-plus territory. Yeah. I mean, what, what John Schneider and Carroll were able to do, that probably even surprised them. It wasn't like they went into the draft and said, here's what we're going to do. They wouldn't admit that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Unfortunately, you look at what the Cardinals are doing here in the offseason, and Mike Sando kind of, you know, hinted at it. It's like, you know, other teams are in their window, and they're going for it. 
They're aggressively pursuing top line talent in free agency, and they're 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 going. They're in a win mode, a win now mode, right? What the Cardinals are doing, and it's very obvious by by the players they've signed. There are no difference makers. They are they are role players at best. Some of these guys that they've signed in free agency may not even make the final roster, Vinny. Mm-hmm. It just tells you that this is a team right now that's not exactly trying to make the playoffs in 2023. I, I, I don't know how else to, to say it. I, and if you're, if you're not trying to win, are you tanking? Are you just cautiously rebuilding? I mean, how do you want to define it? But is it also, is it irresponsible to really put resources in trying to win if they know Kyler Murray's missing half the year? Right, because I, and again, I, I, I think when, you, when people throw the word tanking on, there's tanking around, there's like a negative connotation about it. Like, and there's, like there's, there should be. I think, especially in the NFL. But, if you're, not, be, but, if, but if you're not trying to win, yes. is, is, isn't the, uh, the, the opposite of that... Then you're, then you're, aren't you in a sense t- tanking? You can make that argument, but let's be honest about it. Front offices tank. General managers tank. Players do Coaches not. Coaches and players don't. Of course Their not. Their jobs depend on it. Of course not. So there's a butting of heads on that philosophy anyway. But if you're, if you're, not, if you're not actively trying to obtain the best players possible, then are you, are you, try, are you trying as an organization, you know, in the best possible manner, to win as many football games as possible next year, I, I you know, I, I one can make the case the Cardinals are being cautious yes. in terms of how they spend their money because of the quarterback situation and because we are looking at this from a spending standpoint cautiously to perhaps go for it from a spending standpoint. In later years, yeah, but we had Mike Hayes. We're going to rebuild or, through the draft. We had uh, Mike Sando on yesterday as well, and he talked about how the Kyler injury complicates everything in terms of coming up with a new path, and obviously with a new coaching staff coming in and a new front office. It it is a major complication, and maybe there's not an answer to this question. But if Kyler Murray was healthy going into this season, I'm not sure the the tact or strategy would have been much different in free agency. They were winning with Kyler Murray last year. Really? You think well, they'd throw away a healthy year of... I don't know about that because that's... But would it be considered a throwaway? I mean, we're, ba- we're, we're calling it a throwaway because they don't have Kyler Murray. Or we're assuming they're not going to have Kyler Murray what if for Kyler Murray, What if Kyler Murray's back in week five? I mean, that's... But how much of the factor also is that the DeAndre Hopkins thing? Like, they know, the Cardinals know that DeAndre Hopkins, arguably their best player, is not going to be part of their team. So how much can they expect to win this year if they know they're losing one of their best players like there's all these things that that factor into a rebuild or a a year off yeah a gap year if you will I mean, we, but we also hear all these stories You're saying about, that they should just take their backpack yeah. or, around uh, europe this year instead of hostile. going to <laughs> instead of a hostile environment they'd stay in a literal hostel. a youth hostel yeah. we constantly hear all these stories teams going from worse to the playoffs and yes. teams with you know, these one-year turnarounds but yeah. they don't have. I mean, the, the Seahawks were an example. Not that, not that they were the worst team in the league by any stretch, but they they won in the draft. Jacksonville won in free agency last year, signed a lot of impact free agents that helped them go from a two win team to a playoff team in one year. That's why I don't. 
in in football of all sports, this idea of a of a throwaway year or a gap year or whatever you know, are they tanking? It should never come into play because you can turn it around quickly if you're willing to willing to spend. But if also if if there's a belief that you're not going to have Kyler Murray for seven or eight games, why didn't they go out and get a get a quarterback? Right? I mean, you, you, you're, you're going to roll with, with, with Colt McCoy? Because, because the fact that they didn't get a quarterback yes. would lead one to believe that Kyler Murray is going to be back sooner than later. But if you're the ultimate decision maker with the Cardinals, Michael Bidwell, and you look at it, it's presented to you as like, hey, we can go out and get Jacoby Brissett to fill the gap until Kyler Murray's ready to go. I would have been on board with that. I think Jacoby Brissett is the perfect candidate for that. Uh, and let's say he was interested. But then you think about it. Does Jacoby Brissett give us an opportunity to tread water better? When Kyler Murray's absence than a David Blau or a Colt McCoy. And Colt McCoy's done a pretty nice job as a backup quarterback for the Cardinals, all things considered. Is that money you really want to spend? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's just a weird feeling going into this year. Also, is that money you want to spend, but what are they spending their money on otherwise? And speaking of money, is, is, is Monty Austin Ford on a budget because of the money that had to be paid out for the contract extensions for Steve Kime and Cliff Kingsbury? Very, very possible. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. What, what we do know is that there has not been an aggressive front office in free agency. Not at Signed all. Different, difference-making players. Not at all. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line. It's open at 620-620. We hit the 9 o'clock hour with a look at some social media activity. Social studies with Sarah Cazell is next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings. Tim Ring in for Bick today here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.